Welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And this morning we are so excited to be speaking with, um, gosh, award-winning um, director, playwright, and uh about this wonderful play that she wrote. It was commissioned by the uh, Oakland Theater Project, where she is, um, uh, what's your title there, Uh, your title? Oh, co-artistic director. (laughs) St. Joan, burn, 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 where Joan of Arc touches down in Oakland, California, um, right after the, um, the killing of George Floyd. And it's just like so cool, like St. Joan coming. I mean, it is so awesome. So, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us this morning to talk about St. Joan, Burn, 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 which is having its world premiere uh, this closing season for Oakland Theater Project. And it is uh, being performed uh, indoors, live, and also people can, can stream it through December 19th Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday are the um the live um uh performances. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh really appreciate it. And uh, really uh, excited for to hear about St. Joan. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was just like, "Really? She's come here to save mm-hmm. us. That's so awesome." Um <laughs> and and she's come, you know, in the person of these wonderful young women who are just telling these phenomenal stories. Um, inside of a warehouse where they're kind of like taking temporary shelter <laughs> from, you know, the chaotic scene, um, you know, that night of protest. Um, so before um, maybe we uh, we talk a little bit about the play and then maybe play the uh, interview uh, sort of sizzle um, uh, tape, that I made, I made into tapes actually a video on the website for Oakland Theater Project, which uh, is spelled with an E-R and dot O-R-G, uh, where you can get your tickets. Um, we could talk about the work. But let's, let me tell our audience a little bit about you. Um, Lisa Ramirez is a mixed-race Latina writer. Her plays include Exit Cuckoo, 
um, Nanny in Motherland, world premiere produced by Working Theater in New York City. Um, Coleman Domingo was the director. Oh, wow. Coleman is awesome. Art of Memory yep. commissioned by... <laughs> yeah, he's got a play that's going to be opening at um, uh, the theater in San Francisco. Um, you know the name of it? It's uh, it's like on Van Ness. Um, I'm not sure. Think of the name of it. Yeah, my brain's not working well yet. But anyway, look for a Coleman Domingo play, which I think they made into um, a sitcom of some sort or a serial um, work. Yeah, they're developing. Um, anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Art of Memory, commissioned by a company Go So Go No, presented at Three Legged Dog in New York City. Um, Tanya Calamonero. Kalamanieri. Yeah, uh-huh. Kalamanieri, director. Uh, Pa De Du, Lost My Shoe, uh, Cherry Lane Theater, Mental Project, New York City. You do a lot in New York City. Uh, Brian Davison, blue director. <laughs> to the Bone, uh, that was awesome. Originally a working theater commission, world premiere produced by Cherry Lane Theater. Lisa Peterson, director. Pulitzer Prize nominee, uh, Helen Merrill. Playwriting Award, uh, Kilroy List, Down Here Below. That was awesome. An adaptation of Maxim Gorky's The Power, The Lower Depths Commission and World Premiere by the Oakland Theater Project, Michael French, director. In the Mountains, commissioned by the Workshop Theater in New York City. Um, Thomas, how do you pronounce it? Coate. Coate, director. More Than Grapes. Commissioned by Theater First in Berkeley, Sean San Jose, director, and Sean is now the artistic director at the Magic Theater. And then we've got, um, uh, oh, and he also did, uh, oh, here it is, um, St. Joan, Burn, 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 commissioned by Oakland Theater Project, Michael Moran, um, director. And you are part of the 2021-22 Writers Workshop at the Center Theater Group in Los Angeles. And you're currently working on two original pilots and the screenplay adaptation of your plays, To the Bone and In the Mountains. Oh, that's so awesome. And you're getting ready to do a lot of writing um, toward the end of the year, I guess the beginning of next year. Um, You're getting ready to go away and do your hibernation writing thing? Um, I'm actually going to New York to do an acting job, and then I'm coming back here to do uh, acting and a play at um, SF Playhouse. In the oh. spring, yeah. Oh. Well, so what plays are you going to be in? Well, I'm working on a, a show that is. Uh, I did a workshop of at Rattlestick Theater in New York mm-hmm. uh, called Address List, conceived by this Hungarian director and uh, about homelessness. And uh, oh. so I'm I'm part of that project. And then uh, in the spring, I'll be in Water by the Spoonful at uh, SF Playhouse, directed by my friend Denise Blazor, a beautiful director out of L.A., Latina mm. woman. Nice, nice. Yeah. Wow, that's that's awesome. So I'm right. Most of my projects have been written, actually. <laughs> they've they're all, ready they've to all go. Been... Now they're sh- we're shopping oh. them around. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's really awesome because you, you're just, like, so prolific, uh, and everything you write is just awesome. Aw, oh, thank you. 
Yeah, you haven't seen anything yet that I'm like still like thinking about. <laughs> oh, that's and, great. Yeah, and now now I'm thinking about, you know, Saint Joan, burn, burn, burn. So tell us about Saint Joan in Oakland. This is such a phenomenal work and these wonderful actresses and, you know, the characters are I think the oldest character is eighteen. But, you know, a couple right. are 16, and there's a 17-year-old. And I just love the names of two of the, the two sisters, um, uh, Belle, after Belle Hooks, and Angie, Angela Davis. I'm like, all right, it's right. calling them. That's <laughs> right. They're both living, they're both living ancestors. They're, so it's they're like, both living, here, exactly. They're, they're, they're like what I call the pavers. They pave the way, mm-hmm. you know, like many, like many. But, um, well, basically, you know, when we were planning our season, you know, a, a quote, pandemic, you know, season, we were going to do all of the shows outdoors, and we did a couple of them outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to plan around a drive-in theater setup. So in our conversation, Michael Moran, the artistic director, was like, "Why don't? what about doing St. Joan by George Bernard Shaw, you know, as a solo play? And I was like, <laughs> you know, Drew Shaw, what about St. Joan by Lisa Ramirez set it in Oakland, you know, the night of the George Floyd protest, you know, because Joan was, uh, you know, she was a teenager and she fought for her country, um, you know, to, to, um, and so I just thought, you know, I'm, I, I am and was and inspired by this generation, Gen Z, uh, you know, how they took to the streets in the middle of a pandemic. And you, I looked out the window. I was in New York at the time, and I saw every color, every gender, every age. And I just, like, for the first time in a long time, felt some hope. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I wanted to see what, you know, what would happen if I put five teens together who don't really know each other. They are just happen to be they slip into a, um, a, a, a candle factory, a warehouse uh, where one of the girls' mothers works, and she knows the code. And uh, they're taking shelter from a uh, protest that has gone awry um, with with uh, police violence. And they're kind of all say all the things. You know, I wanted to to kind of turn the temperature up and have all of the race. And and class and 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 um, all the issues come out. But the thing that impresses me about this generation is that they they stay there and they say the things and they work it out and they don't leave. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I wanted to explore. And I also wanted to explore Joan as a black woman. You know that it's that there's this this white uh, Jewish you know gender queer person who thinks they're Joan of Arc. But they're mm-hmm. just obsessed with Joan of Arc, and they're off their meds. Um, mm-hmm. And and they and so, but in in the end, it's really the character of Belle, who's named after Bell Hooks, that mm-hmm. is our Joan, is a contemporary Joan, you know, an Oakland Joan. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love the idea of making young people, young women in particular, women of color you know, brown, black, Asian, uh, you know, are, are heroes. And I love the idea of, 
a young woman not playing an ingenue, but playing a heroine. You know, I think uh, someone from Berkeley Rep, uh, Madeline Olden from Berkeley Rep came last night and she was like, I wish I would have had exposure to these kind of young women characters when I was that age. You know, they're not they're not pining over anyone, they're not apologizing, they're completely in their in their bodies and opinions, no matter how outrageous or how painful they are, you know, they're in they're in their realities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I took to uh we cast the show before I started writing it, so I interviewed all the actors on Zoom, and then I put them all together in a Zoom room, like a Zoom tea party, just to see what the dynamics were, Mm -hmm. and uh, just to see who naturally dominated, what the rhythms were, because I work a lot in rhythms, and um, Mm -hmm. then I combined that with whatever text interested me from all the different versions of Jones, Shaw's, Breck, Anoui, Lillian Hellman, um, and I put my own my own kind of spin on it. But like, for example, I wasn't, I didn't set out to make the characters sisters, but the character of Angie, I asked them all who their heroines were and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, success who plays bell. She immediately said bell hooks, Mm -hmm. you know, the very much alive bell hooks. And, uh, she talked about her book on love and I was Mm -hmm. like, damn, this young woman knows bell hook. And then the other one was, uh, you know, first she said Viola Davis, and then she said Angela Davis, and I just picked Angela Davis because it's it's Oakland, <laughs> right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, but what happened in the, the the Zoom was that the young woman who who plays Angie Metsy is uh, was really shut down because of the pandemic, and mm. basically admitted to it, she didn't say anything for the whole thing. And at the very end, I'm like, Messi, do you have anything to say? And she said, I'm, I'm basically shy and, and the pandemic, I mean, I'm about to cry even remembering, you know, the pan- this pandemic has made it worse. Mm. And then, you know, immediately success was like, oh, you're gonna, not going to be shy by the end of this. And I thought, oh, okay, they're sisters. I have to make them sisters because you know how <laughs> siblings are all so different, mm-hmm. you know, from the same family and. I don't think I don't think Messi's shy anymore after after working with with this you know group of five you know young powerhouses. Mhm. Wow. So, wow. How? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then, um, yeah, tell us about the other other actors um, that um, round out the ensemble. Well, well, Ro- Romeo, who plays uh, John. John Dark and and thinks that they are Joan of Arc. Um, Mm -hmm. I have known for probably over five or six years, and they used to volunteer Mm -hmm. at Open Theater Project. And then, you know, I saw them in New York. They had been at they were at Sarah Lawrence College for uh, about I think a year, and then ended up you know missed the Bay Area, came back here, and is now at Mills. But you know, I've always been really inspired by Romeo, and and uh, I wanted to write, you know, a character that, you know, they could really show who they were and and flourish as a genderqueer youth, you know, and be be that. 
and and that not and 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 the play not being about that, just that they were, mm-hmm. you know. And then the mm-hmm. uh, the young character of Sabra, played by Dan- Daniela uh, Cervantes, is uh, we worked on more than grapes together with Sean San Jose, and mm-hmm. um, just a young young Latina actor, you know, um, just really sensitive and strong. And then um, Charlotte uh, Levy is is plays Mame and. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Michael knew her, and they're a student at, at, in, at, in high school in Oakland. And um, mm-hmm. just, you know, mixed race, um, Taiwanese Jewish. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to – I mean, it's, it's, I grew up in Berkeley in Oakland, and it's, it's the Berkeley in Oakland that I grew up in. You know, like I mm-hmm. – most of my friends were um, – I mean, in high school, most of my – my, my the high school that I went to was like eighty percent black, and so most of my friends growing up were black. I had more of a I would say growing up I had more of a I mean I didn't say I wasn't black, but I had more I identified with the black culture rather than Latina because my father uh, didn't raise my father is Salvadoran, but I was raised by my mother who's uh, Irish, right? Mm-hmm. So I I I really. Um, hooked into black culture in high school and I was adopted by a few, not adopted literally, but I spent many months at, at in different friends' families in Oakland. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm still in touch with a lot of those people. So I just wanted to also pay homage to, to the Bay Area that I grew up in. The mixed race, you know, it's changed, of course, but... Uh, just to see all those like all those colors and, and genders on in the same stage uh, with equal mm-hmm. parts, you know, it's, right. it's what I what I would have wanted when I started acting, not just one, you know, Latina or like one, you know, like that, you know, it doesn't have to be one story about that. It's just, I wanted to make a story about all the mixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what high school did you go to? I went to, it's not even there anymore, but I went to presentation. Oh, my brothers okay. went to Berkeley High, and my mom sent the girls to a Catholic school. It was presentation mm-hmm. in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Which was two blocks away from Berkeley High. It's mm-hmm. now housing for um, UC Berkeley professors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because my, um, um, my younger daughter um, and my older daughter, for part of her um, education, went to Berkeley Public Schools. And so I was like, what other school is there? Um, <laughs> what other high school? Because you know, Berkeley High is the only high school because she, she's class of 2000, my younger daughter. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and I worked at the Berkeley uh, Albany Y, and so I did the kids' clubs in um, uh, at um, Thousand Oaks School. Which served oh, Albany yeah. and Albany and um, and and Berkeley, and my younger daughter, who graduated from Berkeley High, she went to um, the uh, a parent co-op preschool, and then she went to Oxford in Longfellow. You know how they they had kids all over the place, <laughs> and then, That's and then right. um, they had King Middle, and then Berkeley High. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, we used to yeah I really really yeah. like Berkeley High Berkeley School. School. I don't know what they're like now, but they were it was a really good school system. 
Yeah, it was great. It was great. I walked to school every day, and um, mm-hmm. it's, it's different now. You know, it's you know, the prices have gone up and all that. But my mom was a single mother and raising four kids. She worked at Hinks. Remember Hinks? Oh, yeah. Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah, my mom worked uh-huh. at Hinks, and uh, mm-hmm. definitely was oh. a, a local local girl. Mhm. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Wow, that is so cool the way you um um you even incorporated the the names <laughs> in, into, you know, the actual characters. And I I was just thinking about, you know, sort of the themes that that run through the play like immigration and um, you know, Sabra meaning desert and 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 how how she was born and just their their backstories. Well, really, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they you. were. I mean, they're really going deep, and and when they do their interviews, they are. I can't stay away from it. I'm there almost every night because it's different every night, and we're still adding mm. little things here and there. Like, uh huh. And the actors are like, they're like sponges. They want to know, like, how was how did that moment go, or mm-hmm. you know, blah blah blah, uh-huh. or at, let's add a line here, or oh, I shouldn't have put that word. I I actually mm-hmm. made a mistake on one of the lines with actually that mm-hmm. Sabra has. I said born and raised. She's only supposed to say raised because she was born in the desert. Right. A friend of mine caught that, and I'm like, you never stop. Like if you, that, I I never stop working on on plays that I, you know, even if it's a production that has had a premiere and I go somewhere else with it. If I'm involved with it, you, mm-hmm. you can bet there will be. Even if it's minor adjustments, just to refine it. Mm-hmm. It's the generation that I came up with because I acted for 15 years before I started writing, and you know I got to work oh. with great writers like Maria Irene Fornes and uh, you know Olin Jones, Sam Shepard, and and um, Naomi Azuka. A lot of people that I I saw never stopped working. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, you know, this is the uh, the 40th anniversary of uh, this bridge, uh, Call My Back. And, um, I saw that. And, yeah, yeah. And and then I was also thinking, you know, um, I went to a, um, a uh, it wasn't a seminar, but um, these um, panel discussions yesterday, um, and this is the... Uh, the 40th anniversary of Mumia Abu Jamal's incarceration, and wow, I'm like, whoa! I'm like 40 years. Like, 40 I mean, it didn't, years. it didn't, wow. it didn't like speed by. But I'm thinking, I remember when it wasn't 40 years; it was 20 and 26, and now it's 40. And I didn't even know that <clears throat> that he had had heart surgery. And I'm like, he did? I, I missed that completely. Wow. Sheree <clears throat> yeah, Morago yeah. was a huge. Uh, Sheree Moraga, who you know is in mm-hmm. Bridge Called Back. Yeah, yeah, back. Um, exactly. She was a huge mm-hmm. influence to me uh, oh, as an artist wow. and as a Latina writer because I met her. She saw a show I was in many, many mm-hmm. years ago. Um, it could have been even thirty. It could be twenty-five. I don't know. Um, uh, I was in After the Fall, Arthur Miller's After the Fall at uh, Actors Theater in San Francisco. She came to see me because I was playing the Marilyn Monroe part. So there was like a Latina woman in the role that would normally be cast as maybe a blondie. But uh, and and uh, from there, she saw that I was also 
almost by default the literary director of that theater because I was married to uh, Chris Phillips, who at that time and and uh, we were we were splitting up. But I had we had this theater company, and I had been the one who kind of picked seasons and you know requested writers from agents in New York. So so Cherie offered me a job as literary director at Brava for Women in the Arts. Oh, and I first nice. I, I turned it down, and uh, because I was like, I don't have any experience. And she's like, Look what you just did the last however many years. And she said, I, I ask you, I strongly advise that you reconsider. So I mm-hmm. I did, and I took that job for a few years, and I curated a lot of reading readings, and that's where I met a lot of contemporary playwrights, and that's where I started mm-hmm. to get the idea that maybe I could write one day. You know, and then it didn't happen for like about ten more years. But um, mm-hmm. oh wow! But she wow, uh, remains remains a big influence for me. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to uh, to reading the 40th anniversary uh, re-release of of this you know extraordinary um, you know collection of of work by <clears throat> you know real powerhouses. Um, you know, in the women's liberation movement. Um, <clears throat> I was also, um, you know, today, you probably already know, is International Human Rights Day, and there's going to be a protest um, at 5 o'clock in San Francisco at the Federal Building, um, 90, 70th Street, and there's going to be a march from Powell to Market for a vigil and uh, looking at a lot of um, a lot of issues um, that are happening uh, and um, and some things that you know the president has been talking about, but to make sure that you know <clears throat> you know he's held accountable and this nation is held accountable. So right. So your play is happening at a very you know strategic time. You know people you know come to the play and and they hear this conversation and you know, look at some of the themes. You know because like you know you throw in climate uh, climate justice and I'm like. Where did that come from? I mean, you know, we're like, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and immigration, and then, you know, the the climate segment, you know, talking about climate justice. And I think one of the characters starts crying, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like, uh, they're all fighting about brown lives, black lives, and cops, and mm-hmm. and then she just there is escalating, and she screams, "The world is on fucking fire!" And uh, mm-hmm. everybody stops for a second, like, what? Because she's basically saying, you know, we can argue, but the reality is none of us are going to be here if we keep the way we're going. And um, mm-hmm. But the other thing, the, the, to write something that's an email right now, like, you know, how Be- Belle and Angie, her sister, call out a very small portion of names of, of you know, black mm-hmm. yes. people that have been, you know, killed by cops. And uh, last week, you know, with the Ahmaud Aubrey, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the character of Belle, her, the actor, her voice broke mm. when she said his name last week. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. because it was happening, it happened that day, the trial or the, you know, the act. And uh, so it's very profound for them as mm-hmm. well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that just, I think they'll end up creating their own projects down the line based on what's mm-hmm. happening in the world. And that's my hope. 
Right. I mean, that's what yeah. that's what theater is supposed to be. We're supposed to take a microscope to the world. Mhm. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. And yeah. And just thinking about you know the um, you know the school shooting that just happened. Um, I'm I sure know. that shows up. You know, in in the emotional. Um, intelligence of of these actors as well as audience members and then you know the acquittal of of the shooter the teenage shooter who killed these these people at the protest i mean that's another protest like we can't even gather you know without cars coming in killing people and people walking in with guns shooting people like what is this yeah a lot of work to do a lot of work Totally. And is that your voice, um, you know, sort of, because, you know, we've got, like, some spiritual stuff happening, you know, that, um, like, the lights and or the candles are flickering and voices are being heard. Is that, yeah, is that your that, voice that, that's that doing the narration? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I we kind of went back and forth. Um, John and Michael, they were thinking, you know, maybe we could have a French accent or a guy, there's a company member who's French. And then Michael was like, it's got to be Elisa's voice, you know. Mm-hmm. And because It's so mm-hmm. funny. My sister is named after Joan of Arc. Her name's Jeanda. And, uh, when really? I was after, yeah, my mom, oh, uh, my mom is half French, half French and half Irish. And so her sister's, my aunt's name was Jeanda. And as a young young girl, you know, I was like so mad that my name was Lisa because I thought, I used to actually say to my mom, I'm way more Joan of Arc than, you know, my sister. <laughs> so that whole thing like John Dark, you know, is uh, mm-hmm. that's my sister's name. It's so funny. Oh, oh that is funny. That's funny. That is mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. And then I was also wanting to know if you could, um, you know, talk a little bit about, about the production itself, um, you know, the music um, and uh yeah, any, uh, you know, the lighting, any other aspect of, of the production itself you would like to highlight? Well, I mean, I love um, Carla Hargrave is the set designer, and, you know, mm-hmm. I imagined it in a candle warehouse, you know, next to a candle factory where they do all the shipping from. And mm-hmm. she, um, I had a different thing in my mind when I was writing it, but she took it to a more um, almost, uh, surreal level and then Stephanie Johnson lit lit it you know came up they came up with a solution of how to flicker the candles without burning the whole like having the literal candles uh, mm-hmm. going because that would have been against the fire code and then um, you know then you know the the score of it is um, you know the is sort of the subliminal backdrop you know which which uh is elton elton bredman who's a oakland theater project one of the sound designers and a local sound designer who's actually in la right now but um he you know it was the second project i worked on uh with elton he scored the wasteland that i performed in the parking lot in the mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season and then I've worked with Stephanie on almost every show and Carla on the Wasteland also and this. And so it's it's great to, you know, repeat. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to our, our amazing stage manager, Fred Swain Sugarman, who's really, you know, 
running all of the aspects of the, uh, you know, there's rehearsals, there's the director, and then there's the people that run the show. And um, Fred and um, somebody named Maxie, you know, they, they, they make everything appear seamless, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah but it, it's always a great dramatic and exciting and scary and exhilarating this making theater is always that you know it's like you think oh my god we don't have enough time we don't have enough time and then people come and they add a whole new element you know that it's almost like when the audience gets there if you've done your work correctly then the spirits Mm -hmm. kind of conjure another an added intensity and that's been the case with this show and so i'm very proud of so proud of these young young people Mm, yes, yes, it's a marvelous, marvelous. I've met work. every, um, I've met every one of their family members. It's like I have it's been an <laughs> honor to meet the parents. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents have come a few times, and Success's parents, uh, who plays uh, Belt, they couldn't come because they don't live close. But her sister came out, and mm-hmm. it's been an honor for the, their their families to be, you know, to be yeah, there. That's great. Oh, that's really different awesome. things make yeah. us happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to let our audience know that um, uh, you need to get your tickets um, uh, online or by phone. And again, it's Oakland Theater with the er project dot org uh, forward slash Saint uh, hyphen Joan. And uh, the ticket sales close two hours before the start of each performance. Due to COVID, no tickets sold at in the, at the theater. Uh, you must purchase the tickets again online or by phone. And there is a live stream um, that continues. Um, you can do that online. Um, and uh, and I think do all are all the performances, the live performances at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time? Yeah, they're all at seven, Thursday through Sunday night at 7 p.m. Uh, through the 19th of December. The live stream actually goes until the 25th of December. Oh, wow. It goes, okay. it goes one week after closing, yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. And um, and do you all still have that um, sliding scale thing that you all do uh, on Absolutely. tickets? Pay what you can? Yeah. It's pay what mm-hmm. you can. Um, if you go online, the lowest ticket price is $10. But if $10 is too much, then you can directly write to the box office um, at info at Oakland Theater project.org and again theater is spelled with an er like wanda said mm-hmm. cool well um i've got a dash and i know you are getting ready to travel um but i wanted to um ask you if you want to um do a little you know promo for the season that's coming because you all have already released the information <laughs> and you're writing another play <laughs> yeah i am mean, right i'm writing another play um season it's the 20, 2022 season is called in the eye of the storm is the theme and we'll be doing the tempest uh we all know who wrote that shakespeare and leans by celine song the mojo and say so by aisha Rahman, who uh i got a copy of from daniel alexander jones who's a brilliant artist who i really respect um the crucible by arthur miller uh, Book of Sand, a fairy tale by someone named Lisa Ramirez. <laughs> it's, it's basically a, it's going to be a ba- it's going to be a combination of fairy tale and um, 
inspired by Jorge Luis Borges's Book of Sand. And I've worked with Jorge Luis Borges's language before in Art of Memory that I did in New York. Uh, it was a dance theater piece. So completely different than this play. It'll be a two-character fairy tale-ish uh, contemporary tale. I, I ha- I'm I'm just collecting images now. I'm not quite sure what it what it is, but we do have the title. Okay. Yeah. And uh, very and so you, very excited, you know. Yeah, it sounds like a great great season, and it will be your tenth anniversary as well. Is that correct? You know, I came on six years ago, so I can't I can't say. Yeah, I think I, it, I, I, yeah, that I think it's your tenth anniversary season. Um, yeah, um, I should know I that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, that's okay, you you know, it's early. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that I, I can remember things now, um, yeah, <laughs> and, and talk coherently. But I'm really happy that we were able to have this conversation. But you mentioned that The Art of Memory is another is a play that you wrote by the same, um, uh, was, was uh, it? Jorge, um, Jorge Luis Borges, who was an Argentine um, writer, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, I wrote Art of Memory for a dance company. I was I was also in it, and I used one of his stories, The Library of Babel, about oh. uh, the the un, unquenchable quest for knowledge. And then, but I also threw in some Gertrude Stein and some Bronte oh. sisters, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, women yeah, and madness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we, I threw in a lot, and then I threw in fairy tales there. I reimagined Bluebeard and the Red Shoes, mm. and so I kind of wanted to do something along that vein, which was, you know, almost like knee-high theater in in um, in style, because I've done a lot of that, but it, uh, it's mostly in New York that I've done that. I haven't really shown the Bay Area that kind of the sort of mm-hmm. dance theater element that. Uh, oh. I'm also, mm-hmm. I'm also interested. My brother was a dancer with the Oakland Ballet for many years, oh, so really? I, I try to add. Yeah, I try to add some sort of movement in every piece uh, in honor mm-hmm. of him. Oh, oh, he's an ancestor. He's an ancestor now, yeah, and oh. he died. And uh, I'm writing, I'm writing a, a very big play at CTG in his honor. Um, it's it's called uh, All Fall Down. So that's what I'm working mm. on this year. That that's my big big epic play. Yeah, CPG. What's that stand for? CPG at Center Theater Group, the the Los Angeles. Um, oh, okay. Uh, group. It's led by Luis Alfaro, and it's the first time we've had uh, ten women in the group, all women of color. So we've oh, been wow. together. Um, there's some great great writers in this group. Um, We've been together for six months now. We have six more months. We finally get to meet a person at the end of January. Yeah, but there are some writers in there I will definitely would like to turn you on to. Just some great, great people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and when we we spoke earlier about Coleman Domingo, um, you know, when we were reading your bio, well, the theater is the New Conservatory Theater, and the play opens in March. Yeah, they're Wild doing his um, family thing. Um, it's called, it has one name. Wild um, with Happy or Dot? Dot. They're doing Dot. Oh, Dot. Yeah, it's a great play. Mm-hmm. I just talked to yeah. him the other day. He's on fire. I'm so proud of him. 
Oh, tell him I said hi. He is like just he's like has blown up. He, <laughs> he's so busy. It's so great. I I worked with him at uh, Campo Santo with Sean San Jose like 25 years ago. That's when we met, and we've been we've been working together ever since. He's helping me uh, on a, a new project that I'm working on. Oh, cool! I know who to talk to when I want to get in touch with him too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I want to know um, if um, Art of Memory, if that's available anywhere. Like, can we can we watch it or can we read it? Um, I have a copy of it. I'll send it to you if you want. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. It sounds fabulous. I'll email it yeah. to you. Cool, cool. There's and scenes of it on. There's scenes on YouTube or. Vimeo. Mm-hmm. I'll send you a couple links. Okay, excellent. Thank you, thank you. And um, so I'm going to play, um, you know, this uh, this uh, audio of of the the actors talking about um, uh, Saint Joan, burn, 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 and what they like about this opportunity to be, you know, in this warehouse, just talking, kicking it around, you know, um, figuring out how they're going to move forward, and uh, because. I really like it how one of them says, "Well, you know, like we're family now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, re- <laughs> you know, and because this is like some real, uh, uh, you know, sort of important and powerful and scary moments that happen when they're all together. I mean, you know, there's there's like some heightened drama that um, that people would like say, "Oh my goodness, really." Um, you know, when I, you think I like about it when they fight, fight, they fight, 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 and then at the end, they're like, "I don't want to go home," and then the other one goes, "Yeah, that bonded." <laughs> right, right, yeah, and it sounds so like I could. It sounds so true. I could definitely see, you know, young people saying that because I've seen it and I hear it a lot. So, yeah, and, and it's a real good model. Like we could work through this, and it's just a conversation. Like that's that conversation, they're able to work through all of these things. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what I wanted. Mhm. Yeah. That's what I was trying yeah. to do. Mhm. Right. Super. Well, have a wonderful rest of the day and uh, great creative, you know, travels and you know, um, and look forward to this new season and to, you know, having continuing these conversations because. Um, you know, you're always up to something really important. Thank you, Wanda, and I, I love your show. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, any anything else that you want to tell our audience that I didn't ask or you didn't get a chance to to share before you take off? Just know that I just hope everybody's safe and and uh, warm today. It's cold today, and uh, mm-hmm. just just keep on. We have to keep on telling the truth and telling stories no matter how we do it, whether it's mm, yes, on the streets sir. or in theaters, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for this wonderful work, um, St. Joan, Burn, 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 world premiere, and it's um, live through December 19th, and you can watch it online through the 25th. So, you know, like you can go back and see these changes, um, you know, in, in, in real time. Because you're the one that's available, um, That that's just the one. Is that the one screening, one tape, or are you all updating that uh, as well? It's, no, it, it's, it's a copy of the live stream that we streamed last week for the first time. Okay. 
All right, cool, yeah. So if you want the up-to-date model, you know, version, you got to be in the seat in the theater. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, you take good care. Thanks, thanks so much again for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. When we were planning our 2021 season and talking about different classics or plays, somebody said, how about George Bernard Shaw's St. Joan? To which I replied, how about Lisa Ramirez's St. Joan? How about setting it in Oakland, contemporary Oakland, 2020, the night of the George Floyd protests? Joan of Arc was a teenager. I was so inspired by all of the youth that came out. And so I wanted to take a modern look at young women, young heroines in Oakland, California, 2020. I think doing a show that is about our generation is so meaningful and it feels both fantastical and like totally epic, but also so grounded in reality. It's really like cathartic and exciting to be able to just like scream about and discuss the issues that are like tiptoed on eggshells in mm. school and like in everyday lives. And here they're just like put on display for everyone to see. They're all just teenagers that feel very, very strongly about the world. She wanted to write these characters to give us the opportunity to be able to play characters that have a little bit more depth and are not so mm. stereotypical for what like um, young actors our age get to play. This just happened like a year ago and for us to be doing a piece that's about all this stuff so soon afterwards yeah. and also to tie it in with history mm. is also really cool. It's like another layer of like complexity and intricacy. It's a lot of pressure and we're young and we still need time to learn and to grow. We're going to make mistakes and we just need to take that time to keep educating ourselves, but also enlighten the people around us. And I really hope that people leave. I don't know if I want to say slightly uncomfortable, but also slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I really hope people leave and they're like, I don't fully get that, but let me have a conversation about that. Let me actively think about that. Ah, so once again, um, that is St. Joan, Burn, 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 World Premiere by Lisa Ramirez, directed by Michael Socrates Moran at the Oakland Theater Project through December 19th, live um, and uh, streaming through December 25th. So you don't want to miss that. Go to the website, get your tickets, and it's very negotiable around price. So if you really want to be in the seat in the theater, you can be there. So uh, don't let it slip by. So we're going to close the show with um, an interview um, that I did in Zoom. Um, The audio is a little, it's got some feedback because um, uh, Claire, uh, Claire's um, mic, her head mic, had some 
uh, have a short in it or something. Anyway, so you'll hear hear some noise. But other, I think it's I think it should work. Um, wanted you to know about um, uh, Sudu Connections present, presentation of Afrofuturistic at the Roxy Cinema, as well as um, at the uh, Smith uh, San Rafael um, Film Center in San Rafael, and uh, that is the the uh, Roxy Cinema. Um, opening screening is December 14th, and uh, you don't want to miss it. It's a really wonderful series of short films from emerging African filmmakers. And uh, and so we have a really, really wonderful conversation and um, and uh, about the uh, the works that are part of this um, this season's programs. It's the sixth season for um, uh, for Sudo Connection. And it is the opening um, uh, opening um, debut in the Bay Area. <laughs> so that's really cool that you know um, that the film festival touches down here in the Bay. Really happy that the Roxy and the uh, uh, Smith um, Raphael um, Film Center is is hosting Afrofuturistic. Don't want to miss it. And so here is uh, Claire's, and I'm not giving you her last name because I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So enjoy, and uh, if you want to watch it, it's um, on Facebook at Wanda's Picks um, and Facebook at Wanda Sabir. So, and also it's Facebook at SF Bayview, San Francisco Bayview. So there are a lot of ways to watch it. And, uh, yeah, so thanks so much for tuning in for another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings. I'm going to um, do the Facebook Live. I should learn from you how you do that. You connect Zoom and Facebook together? doing right now is um I'm changing I have a cup I have um I have two um <laughs> if I if I knew how long this this preparation is I could read a little bit uh about the uh Afrofuturistic um which uh yeah, which is curated again by Franco um, Burkina Nabe, <laughs> film critic and journalist Claire. And the program includes five short films. So what if the goats die? Um, uh, we need prayers. This one went to market. Um, the first one is in Morocco. The second film is out of Kenya. Uh, the Reality out of Rwanda. Hello Rain out of Nigeria. And Zombies closes the program from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, it's a really, really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, series. Uh, it's so, you're going to just love them. They're all, all of them are so different. Oh, man. It's not letting me, um, <clears throat> gosh, this is weird. Don't um, worry, you hear me. You know, giving me talking out loud as I'm trying to problem solve. But it will, we will get it together, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and, and yeah, I, I think I'll time. cut this off for the next mm-hmm. time. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, so you just hang with it, and uh, we will be going live shortly. Okay, go live. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Preparing to live stream, that's what it says. And... Uh, Okay, now it's being live streamed. Okay, cool, Niff. Congrats. <laughs> well, we did it. Excellent, excellent. So I am going to um, continue. Uh, let's see. All right. Ah, finally. So Claire, wow, your um, your Afro futurist. I guess it's your sixth series, sixth in your uh, series of um. Of programming, yes. it is so phenomenal. I just loved it, and I'm so happy that it's making having its um, debut uh, here in the United States in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, at the Roxy, yes. uh, December 14th. We will be able to be in the theater and and see this wonderful series of films that you curated from the African uh, diaspora, um, mm-hmm. continental African diaspora. And the films are so different. Um, they're all so different. And uh, and what I really love is how, you know, before we even see the film, you take us to the continent of Africa and you zoom into the country and you give us a little information so we can know, you know, what the capital is, you know, what languages are spoken. Yes. And, then we, and then we touch down in, in the, uh, you know, on the ground, like we're flying in. It's just really awesome. So I was wondering... Um, if uh, first, maybe we could um, uh, talk a little bit about who you are and and how you came to um, to produce this this work. Because I, I saw the sizzle um which talked about how you know you sort of uh, decided to do this in your team, mm-hmm. and uh, and how these films these are all short films which are hard to make. Harder to make a short film than a longer film, <laughs> and um, and how a lot of these filmmakers that you have highlighted their work over these six um, uh, programs mm-hmm. have gone on to get you know wonderful recognition and awards and things like that. And these filmmakers weren't able to you know have have an audience. Yes, and so you're providing an audience. And then, uh, and then the other folks will say, "Oh, wow, this is really good." Yeah. <laughs> and and they are, you know, and it's like so interesting. It's almost like, um, you know, the the forest is there, mm. are there, yeah. and in there, you know, like, wow, this is a beautiful tree, and that's a beautiful tree. And other people say, "Oh, there's no forest." Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let let tell talk to us. Tell us where you are. Um, I think you're from Burkina Faso. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, I love Burkina Faso. I want to go there. <laughs> so my name is Claire Diao. I'm a French and Burkina-based citizen. Uh, I was born in Senegal. I'm based in France, uh, Paris, and uh, I'm a film critic. I used to be a journalist, film journalist, and I'm also a distributor. And I do work as a programmer for the Clermont-Ferrand International Short Film Festival and the director's fortnight at Cannes Film Festival. 
so it's been years I've been touring in film festivals, watching films, watching shorts, watching feature films. And all the time I faced this problem with the, the African filmmakers, but also the, the, the filmmakers from the African diaspora living abroad outside the continent, that they have a lack of network regarding distribution, exhibition. They have a lack of networks regarding TV buyers, uh, sales agents and distributors. So you have amazing talents that are sometimes uh, traveling in few festivals and then you never hear again about them. Or you have film that wins success in many, many places, many film festivals, but the, the major audience, the larger audience do not know about them because they are not attending film festivals. So this is how I set up uh, Tartir one time back in 2013. At the time, I was uh, running a blog called L'Afrique en Film, Africa in Films. And at the same time, I was writing a uh, filmmaker's portrait uh, in a French blog called Bondi Blog, focusing on filmmakers coming from the hoods. And uh, most of them had an African background, but they grew up in France. And they still did not have any background, any money to make the films, but they were really talented. So the idea came out to make one year a season about African filmmakers from the diaspora and one year uh, a season about African filmmakers from the continent. And so in 2013 was a, so in a French selection of filmmakers around identity because the French government was uh, teasing a lot about, uh, you know, French, you love it or you leave it. And the second year was about um, families in Africa in, um, with four shorts from Tunisia, Mozambique, Burkina Faso, and South Africa, mixing documentary, animation, and fiction. The third year, we were facing a terrorist attack in France. Mm -hmm. So I focused on uh, French love. And for the first time, we were touring in the United States with one of the filmmakers called Alice Job. So we've been uh, to Lincoln Center, we've been to um, Detroit, Chicago, and Minneapolis. And then the fourth year, the fourth season was an African one focusing on justice with short films coming from Libya, uh, from Egypt, from Rwanda, and from South Africa, and uh, Madagascar. Uh, the fourth season, the five season was uh, a French one focusing on identity and how minorities or let's say non-whites are depicted on screens. So we had documentaries and fiction around that. And we've been touring between France, the United States and some African countries. In the U.S., I've been at UCLA with the program, and I came with a filmmaker, Josa Anjan, in New York, in Chicago, and at SUNY Purchase University. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sixth season is now Afrofuturistic. Mm -hmm. So because of COVID, we started uh, late 2020 in November in Brazil, then in mm -hmm. Madagascar, and then we wanted to make a French release in January, but finally it ended in, on September 2021. <laughs> and, um, and we did uh, some screenings online with a lot of uh, students, like film schools, exchanges like that. We made a theatrical release in Ivory Coast. We also traveled in Guadeloupe, Martinique, so the French West Indies. And uh, the program went to uh, Italy, to Colombia, uh, yeah, Colombia, and then uh, we've been touring throughout France. We've been to Togo, we've been to Burkina Faso, and now we have the American theatrical release, and we're really, really happy about that. So we want really to thank uh, the Roxy Theater and the Raphael Smith Center for next week's screenings. 
Right. Yeah. Wow. This last one sounds bigger than the other um, five uh, programs. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um, Cause you, like, wow, this is really because you know within this particular one, you were talking just now about the, um, uh, you know, where the festival opened, um, you know, in looking at you know the colonial world, and mm-hmm. also look looking at you know how how African people in the diaspora are where we are because of you know the slave trade, you know, like you know going to the Caribbean. That's really awesome. And now coming to the United States, you know, um, because you've already you've already been to Brazil, which Mm -hmm. is the largest, you know, place where people of African descent were taken, um, you know, during the slave trade. So so you so with the film, you're actually knitting things together. And then for Afrofuturism, which is a global concept. And then we think about Black Panther and that, that marvelous film and. And then also thinking about Wakanda, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is just like it, it has, you know, um, diaspora appeal, you know, like yeah. universal appeal. Um, so let's talk a little bit about these wonderful films. I really like the film that was the exploration of home as a mm-hmm. film. And, and then the first film, you know, about the goats. Yes. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, my goodness. And just die. It, it was, yeah, <laughs> that was really, really great. And um, yeah, thinking about, you know, yeah, that was great. And I don't know how much to share and how much not to share. So I'll let you be the one to to okay. the explanations and things because hmm. people so each time about. each time there is a topic around the season. And uh, focusing on Black Panther, I saw the worldwide phenomenon, like. The film won billions of dollars. Uh, it was amazing. Everyone talked about it. And even in Africa, where people are, are all the time saying there is no movie theaters, people were queuing to watch Black Panther. So this phenomenon led me thought about, okay, this is a depiction of Africa, and everyone is really happy to have a, like a Marvel hero, Black hero. But at the same time, uh, as the African could say, it's an Afro-American depiction of Africa. And it's not necessarily the one from the continent. Mm-hmm. So hearing this kind of thoughts, I was thinking, okay, so who are the filmmakers actually on the continent working on sci-fi or, you know, experimental films? What are they dealing with and how do they deal with? Because I know they don't have a big budget. And the idea is always to have a, a larger representation of the continent. So we want to include North Africa, Arabic countries, because they are part of the African continent. We want to hear English-speaking Africa. We want to hear Swahili. We want to hear Lingala. We want, to, you know. So I had this uh, phenomenon uh, short film called Zombie, directed by Baloji. It's the last one. Right. It's a musical one. As Baloji is based in, uh, in Belgium, he's from mm. Democratic Republic of Congo, mm. and he's a really uh, impressive artist as a singer. He's really famous from for that, and he it's been years that he's developing his. Uh, filmmaker skills through his uh, musical short film videos and kind of video clips from his uh, songs. So we are distributing it with my distribution company called Sudo Connection and the film had an amazing success worldwide and it also won the best short film award on Mubi 
uh, it was bought by Criterion Channel in the USA. It, it was well. It has been touring so much since 2019 that we can't even believe and follow it. <laughs> I think every week we receive requests for this thing. So, for, so starting from this one, I was wondering, okay, what are the other proposals we can have? And I remember that few years ago, a uh, Nigerian producer, OJ Obasi, wrote me about a short film called Hello Rain, which is the fourth film. And this film oh, is adapted yeah. from Medi Okorafo novel, Hello Moto. And when you write and when you, when you read about Afrofuturism, you realize that it's uh, coming more from literacy, literature than films at the beginning. And Nedi Okorafo is one of the big names. So I was really surprised that, oh, okay, there is a Nigerian short adapted from one of her novels. And this is how Ella Rain jumped in the program. Mm. Then uh, I exchanged, ooh, which one was that? Uh, the Nest Collective. I followed Jim Shushu works in Nairobi, Kenya for years. Mm. And then I, I, I saw that he was uh, leading a project on Facebook because he wanted the um, Kenyan audience to watch his content. And as part of this series, I saw this little, really short things criticizing Afrofuturism and all the artists, you know, traveling in museums and galleries and, and making fun of what the, the white gays should lack and should love about African art. And when I saw this satirical piece, I was like, oh my God, we need that as part of the, this Afrofuturistic selection. Mm -hmm. Then I was watching things, I don't know how it came to me, but I discovered uh, What If Gods Die, What If Gods Die, uh, directed by Sofia Alawi, and she was coming from Morocco, and it was a stunning film, it won Sundance Best Short Film, it won the French Caesar for Best Short Film also this year, and I realized that with little uh, effects, special effects, she could manage to deal with, you know, uh, aliens and... Um, and let's say, yeah, science fiction or something coming from outside the universe without so much money, without, much, you know, special effects. And I was really impressed by her work. So I thought, okay, this is really impressive and interesting to deal with because she's also coming from Morocco. So it's another part of the continent. And for the end, usually we have in Tiruantan, uh, we always have documentary and fiction and so far, I had only fiction proposals. And then a filmmaker dropped me an email like, oh, I completed a film. Could you please watch it? I would like you to distribute it. And I went to Clermont-Ferrand and I watched it on the big screen. And it was Ethereality, directed by Kantarama Gahigiri. And she's from Kenya. But she directed this short as part of a workshop in, the, in Switzerland, uh, which was to stay, to leave. And uh, there was three to be, to stay, to leave, something like that. And there were five African filmmakers invited and they have like five weeks to direct the film and to edit it. And she made it there. And her proposal with these astronauts and her, this reflection about home, exile, and how Africa resonates into you, even if you're living abroad for 20 years, really moved me. And I thought, okay, this is the last thing we need in the, in the program. And Fortunately, this film just won the Golden Fall at Fespaco uh, in October. So we are really happy she won the best short doc over there. And she has also a really wonderful career. And mostly in Brazil, actually, Latin America really loved this film. She has a lot of requests for screenings and so on. So 
to make the connection with what we talked about, like Latin America and Caribbean, and you know, I think culturally, these themes are traveling worldwide really well because they resonate really strongly to the African community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had known that there was an African um, astronaut that was left in space. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's terrible that, you know, everybody left and, and I was still there and, and just like thinking about, well, what if he could come home and he's walking around in these different spaces and it really, you know, having, you know, that particular film, how do you pronounce it, the title? Ethereality. Ethereality juxtaposed with um, <clears throat> the, uh, the film that's like an art piece, you know, having... Mm. This um, one went to the market. Yeah, this one went to the market. Um, is that that one? Uh, this one went to the market where the art space, yeah, like yeah, and it's talking. Like it's like <laughs> the 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 art piece on the wall is actually, you know, talking yeah. to us, and then we see it on the wall. Like, wow, this is really cool. But having those two juxtaposed, it's really like. It's well, like your programming is just so awesome. I mean, the thoughtfulness that go that went into, you know, you know what film and the order even of yes, the, yes, it's just so like it's, it's it's intentional and it's also you know quite effective. And I really love it because I think it's only the USA that we discuss about curation and you know the order of things because. Yeah. I think in France or Francophone countries, we're not used about that. I mean, we you can talk with a film festival programmer. Why do you did you select this film and this other? But to talk about the order of films in a selection, it's really new on the Francophone side, I say. Oh. And I have mostly this conversation uh, in the United States, and I really love it because it's true that when you have a collection of films and they're all strong and they're all really interesting, it's really important to think with which one you will start and which one you will end. And the two must be really strong. So the idea was let's have one that is quiet because at the beginning when you sit in a theater, you just, you know, you just let go and you enjoy. And let's end with something strong and push and dynamic like zombies because, you know, you want to get out of the theater like, ooh, you know, been shaped something happened <laughs> yeah yeah yes. it's really cool because like for instance zombie when i when just the title it's like what's this about and and then all the music and you know the the, the scene where the woman is changing her clothes as she walks like yeah. where is she going what is she doing yes. <laughs> and, and then it's like oh it's about the music it's about the movement this is a this is a, a music video and I'm like, yes. wow, like you could actually get up and dance. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's um yeah, it's quite provocative. It's it's a really, really wonderful film. And it's they're all so different, but that film mm. is really different from the other four. I mean yes. exactly. It, it, it's its own thing, definitely. Mm. And then and then, you know, like there are different aspects to it. Um I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue, it's the music. Yeah. And and then there there's the uh, the imagery, mm. and, and and you know and then we see this perhaps this colonial figure, yeah, you know it could be a god figure, yeah, um, and and then what happens to it? And I'm like ah, oh. you know, mm. and then I just love the end. It's so yeah. cool, you know, like using technology, yeah, to run the credits, yes, 
cool. Everyone reacted to that. Yeah, no, no, that's brilliant. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm really happy about all those filmmakers because if you follow them, Sophia Alawi is currently editing her first feature because mm-hmm. of all the, the awards she got, she got enough money to shoot in Morocco. So she's actually in Morocco completing oh. her feature thing. So I'm sure you will hear from her next year, maybe in Cannes, maybe, I don't know, in big film festivals. Then uh, the second one, Jim Shushu, he just completed a feature film with his collective, which is on YouTube, because he still wants Kenyan audience to have access to his film. Why? Because a few years ago, he made a feature film called Stories of a Life about the LGBTQ community, the queer community in Kenya. And as this community is banned from the government, the film was banned also. And they couldn't have access to this feature film, which was made for them. So this is why now they're working a lot about, okay, if we do something, how can the audience watch it? And let's not make film that uh, just, you know, stay at home and no one can see them. Then the third filmmaker is Kantara Magahigiri. She's currently writing and developing her first feature film as well, Tanzanite, that she would love to shoot between Kenya or Uganda, and it will also be an Afrofuturistic feature. Mm. And uh, coming to CJ Obasi, Hello Rain director from yes. Nigeria, he just completed uh, a feature film with two other filmmakers, mm. Michael Omuna and Abba Makama. All together, they have a collective in Nigeria called Surreal 16 Collective, and they completed a feature film called Juju Stories that premiered in Locarno Film Festival last August, and it was awarded over there, and it's touring worldwide at the moment, and they've been released in all the Canal Olympia circuits in Francophone uh, West Africa. Mm-hmm. And coming to Balogi, he's also developing his first feature called Augur that he planned to shoot and he hoped to shoot one day between Democratic Republic of Congo and South Africa. So all these filmmakers, maybe they're doing shorts, but you will hear about them in the coming years mm-hmm. if it's not already done, because they are really impressive filmmakers to follow. And it's the same with the previous season of Quartier Lointain. Yes. Many filmmakers made feature films that traveled, that won awards, that been recognized. And we're really happy about this because short is complicated in terms of distribution and, you know, reaching the audience. But at the same time, it's such a powerful way to, to tell stories because you have so little time to express what you have to express that when it's well done, everyone reminds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, um, for your um, your previous seasons, um, how, how does a person, um, uh, I mean, are they, is it like done, you know, once the season has passed? Like, for instance, we're in the sixth season. Does that mean that the other seasons, you can't go back and watch them, but you could read about them? So so people go to your website, uh, Sudhu? Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. They can watch the trailer, they can have access to all the synopses, all the filmmakers and so oh. on. But yes, for the moment, you cannot watch them. I would have loved to have like, let's say, one theater, one place saying, oh, let's, you know, let's screen all the seasons. But it didn't happen. I would have loved VOD platforms or uh, TV to buy the programs and to distribute them, but, but not for the moment. So actually, we work season to season because yes. we are not funded. Uh, six season is the first one we receive money for. Otherwise, I started with the first season only with DVD in my suitcase, traveling to Rwanda, to Mauritius Island, not Reunion Island, then to Senegal and Algeria to screen the films. 
and then step by step, I set up a non-profit organization with friends in France, and then we started to distribute it in 13 cities in France and some African countries as well. And then the, the, since 2015, as I set up my distribution company, the fifth season is now part of my distribution company. Like this, we can go into commercial negotiation. And the, the, the goal with this program is also to meet the audience, but to bring back money to the producers and to help them accomplish other projects. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really excellent. Oh, congratulations. On, Thank you. You know, coming out of your suitcase and you know, having a building now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so far in Africa, the program has been, not this one, but let's say in general, the program has been touring in Algeria, in Benin, in Burkina Faso, in Cameroon, in Ivory Coast, in Senegal, in Nigeria, uh, in Rwanda, in Mauritius Island, and in Madagascar. Mm hmm yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, I really, when you, when you say Madagascar, I'm really happy because a lot of people don't think about Madagascar and the Reunion Islands. Um, and mm. and I, I've been to a few places, you know, on yeah. the continent, and one of those places, you know, right outside is yeah. Madagascar. So I visited there. So and, yeah. and you think about the films that are coming out of these areas, um, mm. you know, like a lot of the place where you mentioned, they have a really strong film industry, Nigeria. South mm -hmm. Africa, I think yeah. in one of the um, one of Morocco the Morocco as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. Definitely. Rwanda, and then a lot of women uh, directors are coming out of some of these places yeah. too, and, yeah. and so it's really great to see women directors, you know, as a part of of your curate, you know, curatorial. Um, uh, well, if as a woman curator you don't work on it. I think it's, <laughs> it, you'll be killed one day. I mean, it's true that sometimes you just watch film, you love them, you compile them, and you're like, oh my God, there's only men filmmakers. We, you know, where are the women? But sometimes you also have them and it's just like, okay, if I have a decision to make, so maybe I will help my, my fellow women filmmaker to be recognized. And I, I think those two filmmakers that didn't need it to be helped, they are just, you know, they are brilliant and and for sure they, they had to be in this program. But mm -hmm. as a curator, yes, of course, I always think about, okay, we should have some women as part of the program. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, could you give your website for people? Um, uh, yes. They can check you out and it's a really nice website and I love your, your, um, your is it a, a newsletter that you have um, or is it yes. a, yeah, yes, really. You do send one as well. <laughs> very, very well done. <laughs> so, so for the, the Cartier Lointain, it's www.cartier-lointain.com. So maybe I should write it down because it's a long one. <laughs> uh, and for the distribution company website, it's www.sudu, S-U-D-U, dub film. Maybe this one is easier. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you could you could definitely, um, okay, yeah, sudu.film is easier, yeah. <laughs> and this one. Oh, yeah. And so, one. Um, so that's Q-U-A-R-T-I-E-R-S. Yes. Hyphen. L O I N T A I N S dot Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and there's a really wonderful uh reel there that talks about some of the you know, what we've been talking about in five minutes. Like you do it in yes. five minutes. You give the, <laughs> you give all of the seasons and, yes. and history and you know, and your bios, you and your partner is like, Wow, 
That's a mm. really that's a really well thought out and well put together five minute introduction. Mm. Like, the whole thing. Thank you. Yeah, it's like wow, this is very well done. I, I watched it and it's like, oh, this is a really good introduction. Oh, thanks. <laughs> And actually, each each season we have um, an ambassador to represent the program or to help us to be renowned. So the, we didn't have for the first year, as I said, because I was with DVD and suitcase. But <laughs> the second year was was with the French Senegalese filmmaker Alain Gomis, who is currently the, in the United States to develop his feature film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, so it was the second season. The third season was. Melvin Van Peebles, who just passed away this year, oh, but he yeah. was a great supporter to, you know, let's make filmmakers emerge and, and not necessarily from the United States, but also from the diaspora. Mm-hmm. The fourth season ambassador was the documentarian filmmakers from Egypt, Jihan Eltari. And uh, the fifth season was represented by Lucien Jean-Baptiste. He's a French actor and filmmaker from the West Indies, from Martinique. Mm-hmm. And the fifth season is represented by an artist, but also a fashion designer, really well known from Senegal, called Celie Rabican. So, so she sold outfits to uh, Beyonce and other big stars in the United States. But she's really, she works on Afrofuturism for years, but through clothes and uh, and she started to move into cinema through virtual reality and i thought this is really interesting as part of this program to think also about cinema as a medium and how people can deal and how african artists can deal now because i realized that all the new aspects of films like experimental cinema and so on is coming from artists who are not only filmmakers but they're also artists, fashion designers, singers, photographers, and and many of photograph- photographers. So all these aspects are really important because they nourish the film. And I know that as, as a programmer in big film festivals, you are always looking for new talents, but you are also looking for new voices who can use this medium, sound and image, differently. And uh, hopefully, I hope the audience will enjoy this fifth season, uh, sixth season, because Afrofuturistic tries to bring to you a new generation of filmmakers and a new way of depicting and talking about the African continent. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Do you have a few more minutes? Because I want to ask you about um, uh, Hello Rain in particular. Yes, yeah. And and then I want to show um, the, the, um, what do you call it? Um, The trailer? The trailer, yeah. Of course, movie. with yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but with Hello Rain, oh my goodness, um, <laughs> that is such a wonderful, it's just beautiful. I mean, these films are really beautiful to look at. I mean, you could just like put them on silence, like, oh, wow, I want to hang this, this frame in my house. It's so beautiful. But that particular film, it's just all the special effects. I mean, you know, the rays coming out of eyes and yes yeah yeah could you tell us a little bit about you know what the director says because this this is the one that's a novel I think you said Mm -hmm. that's where the uh, idea came from and I told I really want to read the novel now that I've seen the film Mm -hmm. but these these three characters you know these three um, African women Mm -hmm. um, that have these superpowers yeah and and the idea of technology and juju juju (laughs) And, yeah. then, and then you mentioned that the director 
you know, he's got this thing called Juju stories. Um, so he really likes Juju. Because yeah, <laughs> Juju is where the magic is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where, you know, the ancestral power is in the Juju. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm from New Orleans, so I know Juju. And um, and so anyway, I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about that particular yeah. work. Uh, you can share whatever you can from it. I don't, like I said, I, I'm not really good at knowing what yeah. not to say, so I don't want to say too much. <laughs> So CJ Obasi is a Nigerian-based filmmaker, and he grew up uh, watching sci-fi and horror films, so he really loved the cinema de genre. And he was also reading a lot of books like uh, sci-fi and so on. So uh, becoming a filmmaker, he wanted to tell stories and use this genre to tell his stories. And when he read Nnedi Okorafor's novel, he was uh, really amazed and he wanted to adapt it. So he asked for the permission. And uh, she agreed, and she was the first really surprised on the way he told the story. But she said at the same time, when she wrote the novel, she didn't think about this kind of depiction. But now that she watched the film, she realized that it should be the way she would have, you know, make it as a film. <laughs> and uh, he really wanted to have uh, these strong women character. He said that women are really important in his life. So you have the, the, the main actresses are women, but also the producer is a woman. And uh, people as part of the cast are also women. So it was a really strong proposal. And also... As a filmmaker, he thinks that uh, filmmakers in Nigeria are stuck as part of the Nollywood because you have this industry since the 90s doing a lot of films and doing a lot of money with uh, cheap films, let's say, that are, doing, that are made really fast with less money. But he considered that as a filmmaker, he doesn't want to be in a box called Nollywood. He wants to make cinema. He wants to be a Nigerian filmmaker, but he is not doing or expressing Nollywood. So you have some Nollywood excerpts within the film. In the, you know, if one of the characters enter in a video club and the guy is watching the Nollywood film, you see the ah, the hands like that. <laughs> so in 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 a way, he also wants to tackle uh, this industry through his film and using the the same kind of effect that they could use in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant, and it I'm like. Who did the costume design? Oh my goodness, it's so, those women are just looking so wonderful. Yes, Anna, <laughs> it's a really interesting piece. And it's funny because, you know, some filmmakers don't like it, some others, they're really fun of it, and it's, oh, it's really interesting to discuss. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, and what's really nice about, about the sixth um, uh, season is that, and I'm sure for the other five as well, you know, there's something for everyone. I mean, you know, exactly. like they're all so different that, you know, people are going to love different ones. Um, you know, you can love them all, but yeah. you could also love a particular one for a particular exactly. reason. And then, you know, discover a director and it's like, oh, let me go see what this director has, mm. uh, you know, what, the, what their um, their work looks like. You know, like, mm. was this a first film or was it a film that they've already, you know, they have other films and and yeah. so it's a really wonderful way to expand our palette as audience. You mm. know, we have these wonderful, um, you know, collections of work, you know, curated, you know, by someone as thoughtful and knowledgeable as yourself. You know, it's like, okay, mm. well, if I can only have so many, so many minutes, you know, you have like a little over an hour, what films would I put in, you know, yes. to represent this particular theme? Like what would be sort of the breadth of the theme? 
you know, not to say that there aren't other films. I mean, hmm. probably, I don't yeah. know how many films did you have to look at to like say, okay, man, I can't have this one. But so to, to end up with these five, like, did you look at 10 films, 20 films, like, Oh, I cannot count because as I say, I, I, work, I work as a programmer at the Cannes Film Festival for the Director's Fortnight, but also as the Clermont-Ferrand Short Film Festival. So we're watching tons of film every year. And throughout the year, as, a, as I have my own distribution company working on Pan-African films, some films from African diaspora called Sudu Connection, mm-hmm. we also receive a lot of entries, people submitting things like, oh, can you... Can you watch my film? Can you distribute my film? So it's a mix of all of this, and we do not make a call for films. It's just I have film in mind, and then I put them all together. Does it work? It doesn't work. Let's wait. Let's do that. And after, when I have all the films, or maybe four out of five, then the topic came out. So I don't. I don't start as, okay, let's do an Afrofuturistic season. It's like, you know, just an idea. Mm, I have this thing. And if I put this one and this one, oh, okay, there's something coming out of it. And this is how I set up all the seasons. Oh, wow. That's really interesting because I, I think one of your seasons focused on, um, I think, on love. Yes, um, French love. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I bet that was nice. <laughs> It was amazing. We had amazing feedbacks in the United States. Now it was really strong because it was a mix of love on all different aspects, like love between disabled persons, love between different religions, love uh, as a queer or, you know, heterosexual perspective, and love as a lack of love. So all of this was really, really strong. And one of the shorts was a documentary, which won the French Caesar for best short film the following year. So we were really happy to premiere this film in France and then been touring with it and being in the United States with the filmmaker. It's an amazing one. And this filmmaker won this year the Golden, uh, the Golden Beer for best documentary at the Berlinale. Oh, wow. So you see all those filmmakers step by step, they are just becoming really important on the international scene. Wow, that is so awesome. Yeah. Mm. Well, let me um, share my screen and uh, uh, share the uh, the trailer so people can get excited and get their tickets yeah. um, and, and be in the house because uh, it's an in-person um, yeah. at the Roxy on Thursday, not Thursday, excuse me, on December, December 14th. 14th. That's Tuesday, right? That's Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can go back because it's not closing. So you can go on Tuesday and then go again and go again and take <laughs> Actually, it will be on Tuesday 14th and then Wednesday 15th it will be at the Raphael Smith Center. And mm-hmm. then it comes back to the Roxy Theater on the 19th. Okay. Cool. So don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> So I have have this posted um, on my Wanda's Ticks website. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this is a really wonderful um, poster. You see Connection um, presents. And you can, this is a live link you can click on to get all the details. And isn't that beautiful? That's so that's such a beautiful visual. Yeah, thanks to Christine Gay, a graphic designer who makes an amazing work every year on Café Lointain. Mm-hmm. And I like the spelling of Afrofuturistic. Mm-hmm. 
And here uh, is the... Thank you very much for joining us, you know, on a evening in 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 Paris. Yes, cold yeah. Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a morning in <laughs> in uh, Alameda. Yeah, it's not too warm yet, but hopefully it won't rain today. Mm. Um, look forward to meeting you one day. But thank you definitely so much. Uh, sixth season. Congratulations. I'm so happy you have funding now so you can keep it going and going and going. I hope, I hope. hope. (laughs) We'll be there. And the next season will be a French one with the African diaspora. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for taking time to watch it and uh, to talk about it on your blog and uh, media. And uh, I hope all the audience who follow you would like come and will come to the theater. Yes, yes. Um, it's a great way uh, to, you know, sort of conclude, um, you know, 2021 to think about, you know, an African futuristic vision. And, yes. and, you know, and like we've been talking about, it's just, it's so broad. You know, it's a real broad vision. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's really, really encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> so you take good care. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Stay safe and healthy. You too. Peace and blessings. Bye. Bye.